Osho, Tao, The Three Treasures, Volume 1, Talks on Fragments from Lao Tzu's Tao Te Ching, given at the Osho Commune International, Pune, India. Discourse number 3. Bhagwan, Lao Tse says on the character of Tao, Tao is a hollow vessel and its use is inexhaustible, fathomless. And on the spirit of the valley, he said, the spirit of the valley never dies. It is called the mystic female. The door of the mystic female is the root of heaven and earth. Continuously, continuously, it seems to remain. Draw upon it, and it serves you with ease. The world of Lao Tse is totally different from the worlds of philosophy, religion, ethics. It is not even a way of life. Lao Tse is not teaching something. He is that something. He is not a preacher. He is a presence. He has no doctrine for you. He has only himself to offer and share. Had he been a philosopher, things would have been easy. You could have understood him. He is a mystery because he is not a philosophy. He is not even the anti-philosophy because both depend on the logic. He is absurd. Philosophies depend on logic, anti-philosophies also depend on logic. So the anti-philosophies are also nothing but philosophies. Nagarjuna, a great anti-philosopher, but he is still a philosopher. He talks, he argues, he discusses in the same way as any philosopher. He discusses against philosophy, argues against philosophy, but the argument is the same and logic is a whore. There is a story. Lao Tzu is oh, one of the greatest disciples. Li Tzu reports it. Lao Tse, Chuang Tse, and Li Tzu. They are the three, three pillars of the world of Tao. 
Lao goes on talking in epigrams and maxims. He does not even elaborate. But Lihtazu and Chwantase, they cannot argue being disciples of Lao They go on telling parables, stories, analogies. This word has to be continuously remembered. Tao cannot be explained, only analogies can be given, indications. It cannot be discussed, only it can be sowed. So a deep sympathetic heart is needed. It is not a question of the mind at all. Lihtasu reports a story that in his town, once it happened, the richest man of the town was crossing the river and the river was in flood. And there arose a great storm. And just in the midstream, the boat upturned. Somehow the boatman escaped, but he couldn't save the rich man. The rich man was drowned. A great search was made. One fisherman found the body, dead body, but he asked a fantastic price for it and he will not give it for less. And the family was not willing to give so much just for a dead body. So they went to a logician, a liar, a legal advisor, to ask what to do. Can something legally be done? The liar said, you don't be worried. First give me my fee and then I will show you the way. So the liar took his fee and then he said, hold on, he cannot sell the dead body to anybody else. He will have to yield because nobody will purchase that body. So you just hold on. Two, three days passed, the family followed the advice, the fisherman became worried because now the body was stinking and he started feeling that it is better now to yield and accept whatsoever they give because it has become a problem and nobody else can purchase, he also felt it. So how can you bargain? But before deciding anything, he also went to the legal advisor, the same man. He said, first give me the fee and I will give you the advice. He took his fee and said, hold on, the family cannot purchase the body from anywhere else. They will have to yield. Logic is a whore, a prostitute. It can be far, it can be against. It belongs to nobody. 
so logic can be for philosophy and logic can be against philosophy lao tse is not a anti philosopher because he is not a logician at all buddha is anti philosophic he argues against it nagarjuna is anti philosophic he argues against it not lao tse he does not argue at all he simply states he is not after you to convince you no not laws everybody else seems to be in some way trying to convince you but not laws he simply states and does not bother whether you are convinced or not but his seduction is great he seduces he persuades not trying to convince he convinces you deep down in the heart and you cannot refute him because he gives no argument that's the beauty and that's his power he simply states a fact and he is not seeking converse and he is not ready to make you a follower no even if you are ready he will not accept but he seduces his seduction is very subtle and indirect his seduction is non aggressive his seduction is feminine there are two types of seductions when a man seduces a woman he is aggressive he tries in every ways takes the initiative makes it trap makes all the efforts that he can make a woman seduces in a totally different way she does not take the initiative she does not make any trap she does not go after the man in fact she pretends that she is not much interested the man can fail but the woman never fails that is the feminine seduction her trap is very subtle you cannot cut and get out of it it has no loopholes and without chasing you she chases you she haunts you in your dreams never knocks on your door but haunts you in your dreams never shows any interest but becomes the the deepest fantasy in your being that is the feminine trick and lause is a great believer of the feminine mind we will come across it so remember his world is not of logic but analogy 
लॉजिक इज एपेरेंट डायरेक्ट इधर यू हैव टू बी कन्विंस्ड आर यू हैव टू कन्विंस द अपोनेंट इधर यू हैव टू फॉलो इट बिकम ए फॉलोअर आर यू बिकम द इनिमी यू हैव टू चूज With logic, your mind has to be active. It is easy. Nothing is difficult about it. Everybody argues, more or less. Everybody is a logician, good or bad. Everybody is a philosopher. If you want to understand Lao Tse, that old way won't help. You will have to put your logic aside. because he is not chasing you as the logician he is not arguing you if you argue against him it will be ridiculous because he has not argued at all he simply gives an analogy what is analogy for example i have a certain experience that you don't have then how i am to describe it to you the only way is an analogy some experience that you have it is not exactly the same that i have but some similarity exists so i say that it is just like the experience you have not exactly like it not exactly the same but a small similarity exists that a small similarity understood will become the bridge that's why those who have come to the ultimate ecstasy they say it is like two lovers in deep embrace it is like two lovers in deep orgasm it is like when the sex act comes to a peak this is analogy they are not saying that it is this no nothing they are not saying like that anything they are simply saying that your experience has nothing else which can become a bridge jesus says god is love this is an analogy in your life the highest is love in god's being the lowest is love the lowest of the divine and the highest of the human meet that is the boundary the highest that humanity can reach is love it is the lowest for the divine just the feet of the divine but from there if feet are found you can found the whole god that's why jesus says love is god not that love is god but in your experience nothing else exists 
through which an analogy can be made. So don't take Lao say verbally and literally. These are all analogies. If he says the spirit of the valley, this is an analogy. He is saying something. Not exactly the valley, because the valley you know. Through the valley he is giving you a feeling of something that you don't know. That you know, from that he is bringing you to that which you don't know. Analogy means a reference to the known, for the unknown. When he says the valley of the spirit he means many things. An analogy is always very pregnant. Logic is always narrow, analogy wide, infinite. The more you search in it, the more you can find through it. A logic is exhaustible, analogy never. That's why books like Tao Te King or Bhagavad Gita or Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, you can go on reading and reading and reading. They are inexhaustible. You can go on finding more and more. Because they are analogies. The more you grow, the more you can see in them. The more you can see in them, the more you grow. The more you grow, the more you can see again. So these books are not books. They have a life of their own. They are alive phenomena. And you cannot read them once and be finished with them. No, that is not the way. A logical book can be read once and be finished, understood. You can throw it in the rubbish. But a book of analogy is a poetry. It changes with your moods. It changes with your insight. It changes with your growth. It gives you different visions in your different states of mind. The analogy remains the same. For example, love is God. A man who has never known anything except sex and who has thought that sex is love? In the West it is happening too much. Now for the sexual act they say love-making. This love-making or making love is absolutely foolish. You cannot make love. Love is not an act. Sex is an act. Love is not an act. It is a state of being. You can be in it, but you cannot make it. You fall in it. It is not an effort. Sex can be made, not love. A prostitute can give you sex, not love, because how can you make love on order? For money. Impossible. How can you make love for money? It comes 
on its own. It has its own mysterious ways. You cannot control it. You can only be controlled by it. You cannot possess it. You can only be possessed by it. Sex can be done, not love. You can make sex, but you cannot make love. You can only be in love. So a man who has thought, or a woman, that sex is love, and sexual act is the act of love, when Jesus says, love is God wills think, and of course there is no other way for him to think, because this is his analogy, that sex is God. In Sweden they are making a film now on the love life of Jesus. Because they think that a man who says love is God must mean that sex is God. And this film is going to be one of the most profanest of acts unholiest possible. Because in the film they are trying to depict Jesus making love in the air sense, moving into sexual acts. Now no country is ready for them to allow to make the film. But they will make. It is difficult now to stop them. Love life of Jesus to them means just sex life. You understand an analogy from your standpoint. The analogy can give you only that much that you can put into it. A man who has loved, not only sexually, but totally, because sex is a local phenomenon, physical, nothing wrong in it, but it is not total. When it becomes total and you love a person in totalness, Not only sexually, the attraction is not only physical, but spiritual also. Not only bodily, not that the body is denied in it, but the attraction is greater and bodily attraction is just a smaller circle in it. Then you will understand love is God in a different way. The analogy will become deeper for you. But if you have known love which is beyond sex, in which sex simply disappears, the whole sexual energy is transformed into ecstasy. If you have known that love, then love is God will have a different meaning to you. So analogy depends on you. 
and a book of analogy like Lao says has to be read again and again it is a life work you cannot simply read it in a paperback and throw it it is a treasure to be carried it is a lifelong work it is a lifelong discipline to enter the analogy logic is superficial you can understand Aristotle there is nothing much but when you come to Laosay for the first time you may even miss that there is something but by and by Laosay will haunt you his attraction is feminine by and by he will catch hold of your being you have only to allow him in logic you have to fight in analogy you have to be sympathetic you have to allow it only then the analogy can flower so in deep sympathy and reverence in deep faith and trust only Laosi can be understood there is no other way if you come to Laosi through your mind you will never come to him you will go round and round and round you will never touch his being come to him as the heart analogy is for the heart logic is for the mind Laosi is more a poet remember that you don't argue with a poet you listen the poetry you absorb the poetry you chew it you let it move inside your being let it become a part of your blood and bones you digest it you forget the words you forget the poetry completely but the fragrance becomes part of you you may not remember what that poet was singing but the song has been retained the flavor of it the fragrance the significance has entered you you have become pregnant Laos can be understood only if you become pregnant with him. Allow him. Open the doors. He will not even knock because he is not aggressive. He will not try to argue because he does not believe in argument. He is not a mind being at all. He is absolutely a heart being. He is simple. His analogies are that of a villager. But alive, radiant, vital. If you allow him, suddenly you will be transformed. Just an understanding, a hard understanding, and you will be transformed by him second thing to remember 
that Lao Tse is not a religious man in the ordinary sense. He is not a theologian. He is not a religious man at all, the way you understand the word. He has never gone to the temple, never worshipped. Because he found that the whole existence is the temple and the whole life is the worship. He is not a fragmentary being. He does not divide life, he lives it as an undivided river. You divide one hour for the temple every week, you go to the church. Sunday is the religious day. And religion becomes by and by a Sunday affair. The six working days are not touched by it. You are very cunning. Sunday the holiday, Sunday the religious day, when you are not working. You can be honest easily when you are not working. You can be honest easily when you are not in the shop. You can be honest easily when you are resting in the sun. You can be honest easily when you are listening to the sermon in the church. There is nothing, no problem. The six working days, they create the real problem. You cannot be religious then. So this is a trick. This Sunday is a trick to avoid religion. You have made airtight compartments in your life. Religion has its own place on the Sunday and then, then you are free for six days to be as irreligious as possible. Hindus have their own ways, Mohammedans their own, Christians their own. How to avoid religion? And these people you call religious, they are the avoiders. They go in the temple and they pray. When they pray, look at them, at their faces. They look so beautiful. And when they come out of the church or the temple, they are no more the same. They are different. Tolstoy has written a small story. Not a story, really, it is a, a fact, it happened, an incident. Lausse went one day, Tolstoy went one day into the church early in the morning. And he was surprised, it was dark. And he found that the richest man of the town is praying and confessing before God and saying that I am a sinner. Of course, Talstai became interested and he was relating his sins that how he has deceived his wife and has been unfaithful and how he had been in love relationships and affairs with other women, others' wives. Talstai became intrigued he came nearer and nearer 
and he was relating with much gusto confession to god that i am a sinner and unless you forgive me there is no way for me and how i have been exploiting and how i have been robbing people and i am a sinner and i don't know how to change myself unless your grace descends there is no possibility for me and tears are flowing then suddenly he became aware that there is somebody else he looked he recognized by this time the day was dawning and he became very angry and he told to dalastaya that remember these things i have said to god not to you and if you say these things to anybody i will drag you in the court defaming me so remember that you have never heard these things this was a personal dialogue between me and god and i was not aware that you are here a different face before the god and totally different face before the world religion is a compartment air tight this is a trick how to avoid it this is a way how to be religious without being religious at all a deception law says not religious in that way at all he is a simple man he is not even aware that he is religious how can a religious man be aware that he is religious religion is like breathing to him you become aware of breathing only when something goes wrong when it is hard to breathe when you have asthma or some other type of breathing trouble otherwise you never know never become aware that you breathe you simply breathe it is so natural now says naturally religious he is not even aware he is not like your saints who are practicing religion no he doesn't practice he has allowed the total to take possession he lives it but he does not practice it religion is not a discipline for him it is a deep understanding it is not something imposed from the outside it is something that flows from within there is not a bit of distance between him and religion he is not religious in the sense that you understand he is not a saint because he has never practiced the saintliness he has not forced it 
it is not his character real religious man has no religious character cannot have it because character is a device of the irreligious try to understand it you develop a character because you are afraid of your being you develop morality because you are afraid of inner immorality you force yourself in a certain way of life because you know if you live spontaneously and naturally you will become a sinner not a saint you are afraid of your being you impose a character all around you character is a armor it protects you from others and it protects you from yourself it is a citadel you move in it you speak truth not because you have come to know the bliss of it you speak truth because you have been taught that if you don't speak you will be thrown into hell your theologians have tried to picture your god as the greatest sadist possible throwing people in hell in burning fire in boiling oil this god seems to be a sadist he needs a great psychological treatment seems to be the the greatest torturer you are afraid of the hell and you are ambitious for the heaven the carrot of heaven hanging in front of you continuously your character is just a device between heaven and hell a protection against hell and an effort to achieve the ambition the heaven how can you be religious if you are so afraid and so ambitious a religious man is not ambitious at all ambition is the first thing that drops from a religious man because ambition means to be in the future a religious man is always here and now he exists in the present he has no future to bother and he is not in any way afraid because he lives so totally how he can be afraid the fear comes because you live fragmentarily you have not lived at all that's why the fear just try to understand the point a man is afraid of death why do you know that death is bad how can you know unless you die do you know death is going to be worse than life how can you know it may be better than life 
Why you are afraid of death without knowing? How one can be afraid of the unknown? That seems to be impossible. You can be afraid only of the known. How can you be afraid of the unknown? Unfamiliar that you don't know at all. No, you are not afraid of death. You have wrongly placed your fear in death. You are really afraid of death because you have not been able to live. The fear is concerned with the unlived life. You are afraid that you have not been able to live love and death is coming near which will finish. You will be no more and you have not been able to love. You are like a tree which has not flowers and the woodcutter is coming. The, the tree feels afraid not, not knowing What is going to happen? The fear is not coming from that. The fear is coming from something which has not happened. The tree knows well that the fruits have not come, the flowers have not come, I have not bloomed. The tree has not known the spring yet. It has not danced with the winds. It has not loved. It has not lived. This unlived life creates fear and the woodcutter is coming. And the woodcutter will come and there will be no future. Death means no future. Past is gone and no future. And present is so narrow. Fear takes you over, you tremble. Fear is always of the unlived. If you live totally, you are unafraid of anything. If death comes to me right now, I am ready. I have lived. Everything is complete. Nothing is incomplete. Death cannot destroy. If something is incomplete, then I would like death to wait a little. But everything is complete. I have taken the bath this morning, I have talked to you, whatsoever was to happen has happened. I am completely ready, death comes, I am ready. I will not even look once back because there is nothing to look, everything complete. Whenever anything is complete, you are free of it. A life really lived, one becomes free of it. A life not lived, you can never be free of it. You can go to the caves, to the Himalayas, to Tibet you can move. You will never be free. And fear will always be there. Fear and freedom cannot exist together. When freedom comes, and freedom comes only when you have lived, bloomed, everything complete and finished, then for what you hanker to live more? Not even a single moment is needed. Then fear disappears. Your religion is based on fear. 
it is not in fact religion it is pseudo it is false it is just a deception laose is not religious in this sense that you are religious or you feel other people are religious laose is religious in a totally different way his quality is different he simple lives innocently moment to moment he does not talk about god also because what is the use god is not a word how can you talk about him he lives him he does not talk about him he enjoys him you see celebrates him it is not a cerebral phenomena he dances he drinks him he lives him so what is the point of talking about him this is my observation that people always talk about things which they don't know there is a sufi story a great king used to come to a fakir a mystic beggar but he was surprised because whenever he will come the mystic will talk about money kingdom politics and he was there to talk about god meditation religion so one day he said that forgive me but this i cannot understand i come here to talk about god religion meditation samadhi and this is ridiculous that i a man of the world come to talk about samadhi enlightenment and you a religious man supposedly religious because i have become suspicious you always whenever i come you talk about the kingdom and the politics and the money and thousands of things but always of the world how do you explain it the fakir laughed he said there is nothing to explain it is simple you talk about things you don't know i talk about things i don't know it is simple why should i talk about god i know why should you talk about kingdom you are a king you know laose doesn't talk about god not even mentions not even once has he forgotten him is he against him no he lives him so totally that even to remember will be a sacrilege to talk about god will be talking about such a deep phenomena it will be a bit trial
it will be a betrayal i say to you to talk about god it is such a intimate phenomena it is between him and the whole it is just like lovers don't like to talk about their love and people who talk about their love you can be certain they have no love life love is such a intimate phenomena nobody wants to talk about it poets talk about it because they don't know they go on writing poems that is their fantasy but they have not known lovers keep quiet lovers don't talk about love at all there is nothing to talk they know it and by knowing it they know also that it cannot be talked about it will be a betrayal lause is religious in a totally different way now try to enter this sutra with me tau is a hollow vessel and its use is inexhaustible fathomless hollowness is one of the key words in lause he talks about hollowness again and again hollowness means space hollowness means vastness hollowness means inexhaustibleness you live in a house but your concept of the house is the walls Lausse's concept of the house is the space within not the walls. He says walls are not the house. How can you live in the walls? You live in the emptiness, not in the walls. The hollowness. That is the real house. But when you think about house, you think about the structure. that is around the hollowness hmm, that's why a palace and the hut look different to you not for loss because the hollowness is the same if you look at the walls then of course a hut is a hut and a palace is a palace but if you look at the innermost hollowness which is the real house because only hollowness can house you not the walls then there is no difference between a hut and a palace there is no rich hollowness and no poor hollowness all hollownesses are the same they are equal there are rich walls and poor walls once you understand this then many things will become possible because this is an analogy with infinite potentiality and meaning when you look at a person do you look at the body then you are looking at the walls that is not the real man the real man is the inner hollowness a 
A body can be beautiful, ugly, ill, healthy, young, old. But the inner hollowness always is the same. Then you don't look at the bodies. Then you look at the hollowness within. Everywhere loss finds the analogy. You go to the market to purchase a earthen pot or a golden pot. The golden pot differs from the earthen pot, just the wall differs, but the inner hollowness is the same. And when a poor man goes to the well and a rich man goes to the well, the rich man with a golden part and the poor man with a earthen part, they go with the same hollownesses. They carry the same water and they fill their parts. When they fill their parts, not the walls are used, but the inner hollowness, the inner emptiness. Laosis says, look at the inner, don't look at the outer. And the inner hollowness is your being. The inner hollowness, the inner emptiness is your being. That means your being is a non-being. Because the word being gives you a feeling that something is there inside. No, there is nobody inside. All somebodiness is on the outside. Inside is nobodiness, hollow. All ego is just on the surface. Inside is egolessness. Who is there inside? Once you know, you will laugh, you will say that the question is irrelevant. There is nobody, exactly nothingness. That's why you are vast, that's why you are of the quality of Brahma, that's why you cannot find God anywhere, because He is the hollowness of the whole. And you go on looking for the body, somebody is looking for Krishna, somebody is seeking Christ, somebody is seeking Mahavir, all looking for bodies. Nobody in search of the hollowness. Otherwise, where you need to go? The space surrounds you from everywhere. This is God. The space. The space in which you are born. The space in which you live. The space in which you will dissolve. A fish is born in the sea, the fish lives in the sea, the fish dies and dissolves in the sea. The fish is nothing but sea water, exactly the same you are. The hollowness is all around and the same hollowness is within. 
how can there be two types of hollownesses? Impossible. Emptiness is always the same. In a sinner exists the same hollowness as in a saint. The sinner has a label on the outside of being a sinner and the saint has a label of being a saint on the outside. You are attached too much to the walls. You don't see that walls are not meaningful. Why you call a man a saint? Because he does something which you call good. Why you call a man a sinner? Because he does something you call bad. But all doing is on the outside. All actions are on the outside. They are just paintings on the walls. But the inner hollowness, can the inner hollowness become impure by your acts? Can you make emptiness impure? Can you make emptiness pure? Emptiness is simply emptiness. How can you make it pure or impure? Emptiness remains untouched. If you cut me by a sword, you cut my body but not me. Because me means the inner emptiness. If I do something, I do with the walls. But the inner emptiness is a non-doer. Remember this analogy. It is a key word in Lao Tse. Tao is hollow vessel. And its use is inexhaustible. Fathomless. If Tao, our God, was not empty, then the use cannot be inexhaustible. Then someday it will exhaust. And what God is called to be a God who is exhaustible? One day the God will be dead, it will exhaust. But the concept of God in your minds has been created as if he is a person sitting somewhere in the skies and controlling. He is not controlling. He is not a person. In fact, he is not a he. And he is not a sea also. All our words are irrelevant because it is a vast hollowness, vast space emptiness. Your logic will immediately arise in the mind. 
than how things are there. Ask the physicists. Now they have come to the same understanding as Lao Tse. Now they say that as we enter deeper and deeper into matter, matter disappears. Finally it has disappeared completely. Now we don't know. Inside it is a hollowness. This, they were searching the substance of matter. They search hard. Now it has escaped completely out of vision. They cannot see where it has gone. They searched it first in the molecules, then they went deeper into the atoms, then they divided the atom and went deeper into electrons. Now, the matter has completely disappeared, a nothingness. Matter is hollow. Even these walls of a stone are hollow. That's why Hindus call the world of matter illusion. It looks that it is very solid and substantial and inside everything is hollow. Whenever you will be silent, sitting with closed eyes, watching inside, you will feel a hollowness. Don't get scared. Physicists were chasing matter and they came to hollowness. And the people who have been really seekers of a spiritual dimension, they have also come to the hollowness. Then you become scared. Because maybe the matter is hollow, doesn't matter. But you are also hollow, a hollow bamboo. Inside nothing but emptiness, you become afraid. If you become afraid, you will cling to the wall. And in final analysis, the wall is also hollow. This existence is a vast emptiness. And that's the beauty of it. In the night you go to sleep. Dreams arise. Out of nothing. Beautiful dreams. Ugly dreams. Nightmares which scare you to death. Dreams arise out of nothing and they look so real. They look so authentically real. And when your eyes open in the morning, you cannot find them anywhere. From where they came, from where they arose and now where they have gone. You never think about the phenomena of the dream. If it can happen in the night, why not in the day? One of the disciples of Lao Tse, Chuang Tazu, one night dreamt that he has become a butterfly, fluttering, flying, amidst flowers and next morning when he awoke 
he was very sad his disciples asked what is the matter master we have never seen you so sad what has happened he said i am in such a quandary i am in such a dilemma that it seems now it cannot be solved the disciples said we have never seen any problem that you cannot solve just say what is the problem chantazu says last night i dreamed that i have become a butterfly flying in the garden moving from one flower to another flower the disciples laughed they said this is a dream master chantazu says wait let me tell you the whole story now i am awake and i am puzzled a doubt has arisen if chantazu can dream that he can become a butterfly why not the otherwise a butterfly can dream that she has become a chantazu now who is who am i a butterfly dreaming that i have become a chantazu because if it can happen that you can become a butterfly in the dream then what is the problem a butterfly is sleeping there this morning resting maybe dreaming that sees you and how do you know who you are if chantazu can become a butterfly why not a butterfly can become a chantazu there seems to be no impossibility about it night dreams come out of nothingness and they look real in the day dreams come out of nothingness and they look real the only difference between the night and the day is one night dream is private and the day dream is public that is the only difference in night dream you cannot invite your friends to be there it is private in the daydream you can invite friends it is public the house in which you live in the day is public if there is a possibility of private dreaming there is the possibility of public dreaming we are here if we all go to sleep there will be as many dreams as there are people here private nobody's dream will enter into anybody's dream they will not clash with anybody and everybody will forget about anybody else he will live in his dream and in his own dream reality hmm then you are awake you look at me and i am talking to you this is a public dream you all are dreaming together that's the only difference there is a possibility of a greater awakening when you awake out of the public dream also that is what enlightenment is then suddenly the whole world is maya this is what laws is saying tao is a hollow vessel and it's uses inexhaustible 
fathomless. There is a vast emptiness and everything arises out of it and goes back to it, falls back into it. And it is inexhaustible because it has no limits. You may not be aware that the concept of zero was invented, discovered in India. Because India became aware that everything comes out of nothingness, zero, and everything falls back into nothingness, to zero. The whole journey is from zero to zero. So India coined the concept of zero, sunyam. And that is the base of whole mathematics. Zero is the base of whole mathematics. If zero is taken away, the whole structure of mathematics falls down. With zero, the whole game, you add one zero to the figure one. The value of the zero is nine there, because immediately one becomes ten. Nine is born out of zero immediately. You add two zeros to one. The value is ninety-nine. Immediately one has become hundred. Out of zero, the whole structure goes up. Without zero, mathematics disappears. And without mathematics, whole science disappears. So if you ask me, zero is the root of all mathematics and of all science. You cannot conceive Einstein without the concept of a zero. No, it is not possible. All computers will stop immediately if you drop the concept of zero. Because without the zero they cannot work. Zero seems to be the most substantial thing in the world. And what a zero is? A zero is simply zero, nothing. It is inadjustable. You can take as many things out of it as you want. Nine, it can become. Ninety-nine, it can become. Nine hundred ninety-nine, it can become. Go on and on and it can become anything you like. It is bottomless, fathomless. You cannot fathom it. One is limited. It has a limitation. It has a fixed value to it. Two is limited. All the nine digits are limited. Only the zero is an unlimited phenomena. In fact, the nine digits cannot work without it. They come out of it. They grow out of it. 
this whole existence comes out of zero, a hollowness. Why this emphasis on hollowness? It is not a philosophical doctrine, remember. It is simply an analogy. Lao Tse is trying to show you something. He is trying to show you that unless you become hollow, you will suffer. Because hollowness is your reality. With unreality you will suffer. And that is the meaning of meditation, to become hollow, to be empty inside, not even a thought flutters, no content, just a space. Suddenly all misery has disappeared because misery exists in thoughts. Death has disappeared because death exists in thoughts. Past has disappeared because the whole burden is carried through thoughts. Ambition disappears because how can you be ambitious without thoughts? How can you be mad without thoughts? Have you ever seen a madman who has no thoughts? In fact, a madman is a madman because he has too many thoughts and he cannot hold them together. A whole crowd, too much to bear. A madman is a great thinker, that is his trouble. He thinks too much and he thinks in many dimensions together. In his cart, in all the directions, horses are harnessed. When he goes on in all directions and he cannot stop because he is not. He is so divided, so fragmentary that he is not. Only a hollowness can be undivided. Can you divide a hollowness? Everything can be divided. Anything that is substantial can be divided. Self can be divided. Only no self cannot be divided. That's why when Buddha reached to his ultimate enlightenment, he coined a word that was his invention. The word anatta. It never existed before him. Anatta means no self. Anatta means anatma. Anatta means you are not. Anatta means not is. You are not. Anatta means nothingness, a hollowness. The analogy is to indicate certain things. Become hollow. Be hollow. But the whole teaching conditioning of the society is just against it. In the West they say that if you are empty, you will become a devil's workshop. An empty mind is a devil's workshop. This is foolishness, extreme foolishness.
because an empty mind can never be devil's workshop. If it is really empty, suddenly only God is there and nothing else because God is hollow. Devil is full of thoughts. He is never empty. Devil has a mind, God has no mind. You can become a devil's workshop the more you think, the more you can become. If you don't think at all, how can you become a devil's workshop? The devil cannot enter in a hollowness. He will be afraid of death because to enter into emptiness is to die. He can enter in you only if there are many thoughts. Then he can hide in the crowd. Then he can also become a thought in you. Empty mind is God's mind. It is no mind. Become hollow. Sit as a hollow bamboo. Move as a hollowness. Live as an hollowness. Do whatsoever you have to do, but do it as if you are inside hollow. Then karmas will not touch you at all. Then your actions will not become a burden to you. Then you will not be entangled because a hollowness cannot be entangled. The spirit of the valley never dies. The spirit of the valley is the spirit of hollowness. What is a valley? It is a hollow thing. Go to the hills. You will find two things. Peaks full of rocks filled and valleys empty. The spirit of the valley is the spirit of emptiness. Peaks come and go, valley remains. You cannot destroy nothingness. Something can always be destroyed. If you are something, you will have to be born and die again and again. If you are nothing, then how you can be destroyed? How you can be created? You simply disappear out of the world of the forms to the formless. A valley means the world of the formless. The spirit of the valley never dies. It is called the mystic female. These are all analogies. A woman is a valley. A man is a peak. A man enters the woman. The woman simply allows. A woman is a receptivity, a man is an aggression. A man tries to do, a woman simply waits for things to happen. It is called the mystic female. This word has to be understood. 
the mystic female because for now say that is the ultimate Lance feels that the nature of existence is more like a woman than like a man because man comes out of woman woman comes out of woman man can be discarded even but women cannot be discarded women seems to be a basic element man is a a growth out of it women seems to be more elemental more natural man has something unnatural about him if you ask the biologist they say that man has a deep imbalance in his biology a woman is symmetrical balanced that's why she looks more beautiful and round man has corners woman has no corners A woman is a more balanced phenomena that's why she never tries to invent something to create something to do something to be on the go no she is never man is always on the go he has to do something to prove that he is he cannot simply accept himself he cannot simply be and enjoy he has to go to the moon and he has to go to the everest and he has to to do something a, a deep imbalance is there he cannot simply sit and be he becomes a adventurer a scientist A woman simply enjoys being. She is happy with his small things. She does not hanker for the moon. And every woman thinks, "What foolishness it is! Why you are going to the moon?" You ask the wives of the astronauts. They simply cannot believe why. Why move in danger and death unnecessarily? what is wrong being here man is a vagabond a gypsy if the world is left to man there will be no houses only tents at the most and he will be moving and moving from one place to another he cannot stay in one place something deep inside him forces him to move he is not balanced the imbalance is his madness look at a woman she is balanced her needs are small somebody to love somebody to be loved food shelter 
a little warmth around a home finished then she is not worried about anything no woman has created any science no woman has founded any religion people come to me and they ask why all religions were created by men because man is tense he has to do something or other if he becomes frustrated with this world he starts doing something with the other world but he has to do he is never here and now he cannot be here and now allow say has this analogy that the nature of existence is more feminine it is more balanced look at the trees look at the birds singing look at the rivers flowing look all around and watch you will find more feminineness everywhere everything seems to be perfect at this moment the trees are not worried about the future the birds are not worried about the future the rivers are simply moving so lazily so silently as if not moving at all nothing seems to be in a hurry hmm that's why it happens every day the man is honking the horn on the street and the woman goes on saying from the window i am coming just wait a minute a woman has no time sense they have watches but they are ornamental they are not watches really they don't have time sense because they are not in a hurry time sense arises out of hurry and haste everything is trembling and everything is at stake as if one minute late and everything will be lost and if you ask the man where are you going he will shrug his shoulders just to the picture but honking the horn as if something great a life experience is going to be missed and the woman goes on saying i have even heard one woman once i was sitting with the husband in the car and really we were getting late and the husband was very much worried in fact he did not be in a worry he should not have been in a worry because it was my appointment not his i was getting getting late but he was honking and he was much worried and perspiring and swearing at the wife and the wife two three times she said i am coming but her makeup was not complete it is never complete <laughs> she always comes somehow but it is incomplete uh, much could have been done she is so at ease with the mirror with herself she is so at ease that is her world that the wife got angry and she 
look down from the window and said, I have told you one thousand times that I am coming in a minute. One thousand times. You cannot even tell one thousand times in one minute and I am coming in a one minute. No time sense. The world moves without any time sense. Clocks and watches don't exist with trees and rivers and mountains. A timeless world. Men exist with time. With a worry. Deep down, the worry seems to be sexual. The worry of achieving a sexual orgasm. Whenever a man is making love to a woman, he is worried. Worried whether he will be able to make it or not. Worried whether he will be able to satisfy the woman or not. Worried whether he will be able to prove that he is the man or not. The worry, an inner trembling, and in a hurry, somehow to prove. And that's why he misses. Ejaculation is there, but orgasm, no. Consolation is like that. The door remains open because consolation depends on comparison and misery also depends on comparison. So door is open. But you become more and more intoxicated with consolation, more and more suffocated by your own theorizations, rationalizations, more and more insulated. hiding behind our buffers, you miss life. Drop comparing. Now, this parable read ordinarily will give you an impression that Lihitazu is not saying anything against Confucius. That is their way of saying things. They are very subtle people. He has not uttered a single word against Confucius and he has demolished the whole Confucian philosophy. So when you are reading these parables, they are not simple parables. Simple they are in a way, but they are very profound. You have to dive deep, you have to dig you have to go in them and you have to know the difference between discipline and spontaneity. Whenever anything is of discipline, Tao is against it. Whenever anything is of spontaneity, Tao is for it. Tao is spontaneity, Tao is suchness, Tao is tremendous acceptance of whatsoever is. And in that acceptance one flowers. Enough for today.